Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode three Woo. of Macabre Matinee yeah. with Craig and Sean. That's right. Uh, I, yeah, we're back for another weekly dose of horror movie talk. <laughs> As always, I am Craig Lance. And I'm Sean, bearded Capitalitan. Yeah, how you doing, buddy? Doing all right. Yeah, uh, yeah, having a good week. Having a decent week. Work is always work. I think everyone out there knows that. But uh, your week's always a little bit better when you get to watch a, a, a horror movie to talk about with your good buddy. Yeah, and that's uh, kind of what we both did this morning. We we sat down separately, but probably at about the same time frame <laughs> right. this morning. And uh, we watched a little movie called Friday the 13th Part 3. I know that that's the movie we were supposed to watch because this is episode three. Right. We're, uh, so. For now, we're going chronologically with the movie <laughs> series, which is kind of cool in itself. Yeah. The, I mean, through Friday the 13th, we'll be able to uh, track it based on our episode number, but you know that'll be a little bit harder when we start on another series. Right. Uh, as per always, this is where I give our weekly spoiler warning. We cannot talk about these movies without spoiling them. So if you haven't already seen Friday the 13th Part 3 and you don't want to be spoiled, it's time to press pause, go watch it, and then come back and finish listening to our breakdown. <laughs> so, right. uh, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, gotta throw it out there because, you know, the odds of somebody listening to the show that hasn't seen them are pretty <laughs> slim. But, you know, you don't want to spoil it for anybody. No, absolutely. If you, yeah, yeah there, if you can avoid it. There are people who don't love the classics and uh, may not have gone back. <laughs> uh, again, I I've, I love uh, telling again our our buddy Leland. I actually, you know, when I showed him this franchise, he had never seen it, which, you know, is fair. But usually stuff like that is in the lexicon, at least, or at least you kind of hear yeah. about it. And again, I, I'm pretty sure I mentioned on the first episode, but I love reiterating it. I got to show my buddy Leland in, like, this is like two or three years ago. We record now in 2020. He did not know the, the Mrs. Voorhees twist at the first one. So like I got to see someone's pure first reaction to that, you know, so that's insane. So, all right. So you never know. So again, we always say spoilers just in case you're another Leland out there. Exactly. <laughs> and you know, it's hard to fa- uh, fathom that there's people that have it, you know, kind of, would, these are so in the zeitgeist that right. you, you know that you would think that people would know, but they don't always know. Yeah. And and I bring that up because this was the first one. Part three was the first uh, sequel in this series that I actually remember when it came out. Oh wow! Not awesome. that I wasn't aware of the other two because you know they were such a big sensation. Right. But when this one hit the theaters, it was a big deal. And part of that was because it was originally Friday the 13th Part 3D. Indeed. And that's uh, <laughs> something we're definitely going to be getting into throughout this uh, this discussion of this movie. Uh, the big shame of it is that I, I don't think I got it noted down, but uh, more or less, like, the reason there is no home video with 3D, even if it's the shitty, like, even Nightmare on Elm Street uh, with uh, Freddy's Dead got the sh- cheap 3D glasses with it. Yeah. But, but none of the home prints of Friday the 13th Part 3 have ever been in 3D, maybe VHS, but maybe not even that, because uh, it was such an intricate thing to get 3D back then, because this was one of the early films that really put it out in this level, 
and I want to say like the copies of it were like kind of lost in overseas shipping. Like they were showing them overseas and like they never got them back. Oh, wow. It's something to that extent well, is why they've never had a, the hard copy of the 3d model. Yeah. I want to, I want to touch back on that here in a little bit because right. I think it has a little bit to do with the quality of this film. Right. Right. Um, you know, so when we get to our, I, I do want to circle back around to that. Um, it's a very good point. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to go ahead and uh, knock out the breakdown real quick, and then we can uh, get into all that juicy stuff. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> so this is, uh, as I said, Friday the 13th, Part 3, released in 1982. So they did these year. First one was 80, then last the second one was 81, and this was 82. So they were knocking them out probably as quick as they could ride them and get people in there to act them and... Oh yeah, absolutely. Film them and get them out to the <laughs> studios and out to the theaters. Oh, yeah. uh, this one was uh, again directed by Steve Miner. Was written by Martin Kitroser, I think is how you say his name, and Carol Watson. Right. It stars, and I I'm going to say that with quotation marks. <laughs> Dana Kimmel is Chris. Right. Paul Krotka is Rick. And for the first time, Richard Brooker as Jason. That's right. And I th- I think the first and only time. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Again, uh, it was another thing of like the first guy didn't – actually, I think it, his was actually a commitment issue this time. Instead of just not wanting to do it. And they, But they also were kind of happy with the new guy being – he's like six foot three. So yeah. Like, and like a tra- former trapeze artist or something. So he kind of used to doing stunts. So they wanted oh, okay. a little more imposing Jason. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, so this one starts out with the now familiar re-showing of the final scenes of the previous movie. <laughs> yeah, once again. Friday the 13th did get into some formulas that they used. Right. And this, at least for the first few movies, it, it they did this uh, quite frequently. Right. Yeah. So um, it shows us the end of the, of the last movie. And then following the, the recap, this movie literally starts the day after. Yep. Uh, and the tension begins immediately as Jason stalks the owners of a local gas station. <laughs> uh, during, <laughs> during this scene, we discover that Craig was wrong on his kill count from the, from the last movie. Oh. And it was actually eight. Oh, I said okay. nine, but the news report... Uh, the with the lady it's uh the co-owner of the gas station right she's watching the news and it says that they found eight bodies so either i miscounted or they, you know maybe the police hadn't found one. all the bodies yet <laughs> yeah <laughs> which you know i mean they would have had to go to his uh uh cabin in the woods they would have had to find jason's cabin to yeah, find a couple a, of those yeah I was like, yeah there was a couple bodies thrown around his uh mother's shrine so yeah, the the police chief I think was one of them, and then uh, one of the random females I think yeah, was another. But... I believe so. Yeah, so so you know, Jason uh, hunts down these two uh, uh, hapless, uh, bickering. I didn't, I didn't realize. Angry yeah, I didn't... <laughs> a couple. <laughs> yeah, they are not a very happily married couple. Let's They're put not. it that way. And I'm not sure why he was really after them other than to give us some tension at the beginning of the movie, but I don't care because it did and it <laughs> yeah, succeeded at that. For sure. Uh, and, and of course this was uh, 
I mean, partially, I think it'll, and you're gonna, we're gonna get into it a little bit more, but like this opening scene started establishing the 3D effect. You know, yes. with, with like shots of the husband kind of like had like a, a, a pole he was trying to hook up and it goes right to the camera. Just, you know, blatantly supposed to be like, oh, it's coming out. Yeah. <laughs> well, when you talk about 80s 3D, you yeah. know, that's exactly what it was. Whereas oh, yeah. by the time we got to later, you know, like, yeah, since probably the early 2000s, it's been more of that immersive 3D. Right. Back then it was, hey, let's let's have something thrown at the camera, which worked well for jump scares in horror movies. Oh, absolutely. But, Even, uh, I have a very faint memory of being very little. I, don't, I couldn't tell you what the movie was because it's just a scene of kids on a beach throwing a Frisbee. And I remember the Frisbee like <laughs> coming off the screen. I don't know if it was Jaws 3D or some other film that I happened to go see, but I remember that I, I have that faint memory. So that's really what it was back then. Yeah, absolutely. So the I didn't get to see this one in the uh, movie theater. Uh, uh, that would have been. Awesome. But yeah, my brother actually did, and he talked about all the 3D effects quite a bit, as uh, well as everybody at school. Right. But the the first 3D I saw in the theater that was this kind of 3D was a foreign film, and I don't I can't say it in Italian, <laughs> so I'm going to use the English name that they used, and it was Treasure of the Four uh, Crowns, right. and it came out the same time as uh, Return of the Jedi right. that same summer, so... <laughs> You know, we would go back and forth between watching the two movies. It's an absolutely horrible movie and no one should watch it. <laughs> but, man, did I love the 3D effects of that movie. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah. All right, so getting back to this one. So Jason's killed the, the uh, I'm going to call them gas station owners. Right. And, uh, Slash rabbit enthusiasts. Cause he just, yes, <laughs> yes, they are rabbit, rabbit enthusiasts and he, he did not like that. Right. Apparently, he, he did not like their rabbits. Right. <laughs> so uh, the next day begins with a van full of young people heading to Crystal Lake in what I have uh, nicknamed the mystery machine van. <laughs> <laughs> we have Chris, who's who we learn it's uh, her place that they are actually going to, which is a little cabin with a barn. And I think it was her parents home out on the lake. We find out later. Right. And along with Chris, we have Joni and Chachi, which is not their real names, but I nicknamed them that because the guy looks, you know, a lot like uh, Scott Bale. It is strikingly similar, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then we have a couple of uh, burnouts that spend the entire movie stoned out of their minds. Um, even though they are a male and female couple, I nicknamed them either Scooby and Shaggy or Cheech and Chong, depending yeah. on on my thoughts at different times of the movie. Yeah. The guy was uh, definitely inspired by some Tommy Chong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then in the van, we have the annoying prankster Shelly who just can't stop himself from being annoying. It seems like, yeah, <laughs> See, we got the, again, the, the, the formula of Friday the 13th. Yeah. We have the jokester, the trickster. And while he is important to not only this movie, to the, the mythos which we'll get into yeah why yeah he is not he to me he doesn't have any of the charm of the previous jokesters this dude he does not out of me <laughs> he, through the entire movie yeah i actually cheered when we see him die right. for real <laughs> um, 
Yeah, and so they're headed out to Crystal Lake, and they stop and pick up their friend Vera, who is a starkingly white uh, Hispanic woman. <laughs> hey, look, we exist. Considering okay? <laughs> that her, considering that her mother was not starkingly white, it was interesting. But, hey, hey, okay, uh, okay, no, we're gonna address that. <laughs> Hold on, because you're not wrong in the least. <laughs> But that's, I mean, I mean, my mother doesn't have the strong accent, to me at least. Some people say they hear it. <laughs> my mother being Colombian, and I'm yeah. starkingly white, half Hispanic. <laughs> so, we're real, Craig. We're real. We exist. But no, yeah. <laughs> you absolutely are real. But I'm going, and I've never met your mom, Sean, but right. I'm going to go out on a limb and say she is not uh, dark-complected. No, she is not. <laughs> yes. Nor does she sound like <laughs> Sophia Verga. So, I mean, it's fair, to be fair. But, I don't know, sorry. But, no, you're absolutely right. No, I... it was it was great. It cracked me up. And, and of course, it made me think of you and your <laughs> your white Hispanicness. That's true. So, and, and really, that's the only time it's addressed in the entire movie? Absolutely. Yeah. Just... Yeah. So, it's just kind of a throwaway thing that her mom speaks Spanish to her. Right. And she gets in the van and they head off. And so they get to the uh, cabin and, you know, they find that Chris's old flame, Rick, is just there kind of hanging out. (laughs) And uh, he seems pretty desperate to rekindle their old relationship. And Chris, who is obviously suffering from some PTSD, uh, is coming back to the cabin to kind of... uh, work through that PTSD of some stuff that happened to her a couple of years previously. Yeah. And so she's kind of being distant to Rick. And so, you know, Rick's kind of being a little pushy, but you know, they're, they're dealing in their own way. So Shelly then decides to be annoyingly Shelly (laughs) and uh, he fakes his own death with what was actually some pretty good effects for an amateur, in my opinion. Right. Uh, he fakes an axe to his face, and uh, which really annoys everybody, specifically Chris, which then pisses everybody else off. So Shelly loads up with Vera and runs to town to pick up some snacks. Once in town, they run into some bad dudes with attitudes, <laughs> and we know this because they're wearing leather and chains. That's true. True. <laughs> <laughs> and they, it's a little biker gang of three people, and they kind of give uh, Shelly and Vera some uh, problems in the store. And they get out of the store, and they're trying to get out of there really quick. And Shelly, not paying attention, as is wont to do, backs over their motor- motorcycles. So, you know, the this obviously angers the bikers, right? And the one punches out the windshield and one of the windows and anyway Shelly and Vera head back with the broken up car and the bikers eventually end up at the camp we don't know quite how they found them but you know that's neither here nor there they do find their way to our lovable future victims yeah we uh those little <laughs> plot devices you just don't worry about in horror movies like they yeah they, it's kind of like them. the cops showing up at the end Right. It never, yeah, who calls the damn cops? But <laughs> exactly. You, you just kind of ignore it, you know? So uh, the bikers show up and they're going to get back our friends by burning down their barn. But not only are they just going to burn down the barn, they're going to use the gas out of the mystery machine to do it. <laughs> so they drain the van of, of gas. And I'm 
pretty sure if you haven't seen this movie, you can see what's going to happen later. <laughs> right. So, uh, Jason, uh, seemingly not wanting to cause any, you know, uh, alert his fr- the his potential victims, decides to go ahead and kill the bikers for them, <laughs> and takes them out as they go into the barn one by one. All right. And uh, so then we head back to our group, and it's now nighttime, and the cu- couples of, are all kind of doing their own thing. Rick and Chris have left to discuss their future, <laughs> and during their conversation, we learn that Chris actually had a run-in with Jason in the woods like two years earlier and barely escaped with her life. Yeah. Which, What's uh, not explained yeah. within this movie is is how she actually escaped. It's true. But is that, it, that is uh, one aspect I like to this kind of story is that, uh, that, that, you know, it's not like Jason just goes into, you know, resting in between, you know, the deals, you know, in between each movie or whatever. Like, you know, they actually had somebody, which I think is the only time to my, to my knowledge right now in Friday the 13th where they had someone who had a previous encounter. Now, granted, it does kind of fuck with the timeline a little bit for those who actually try to make a timeline out of this franchise. <laughs> but still, yeah, I always thought that was an interesting little tidbit. Well, it, it not necessarily. It just shows that Jason was active between the death of his mom right. and the events of part two. Right. And, you know, it could have been that she just happened to be in the woods and he came across her or whatever, you know, because she was she had actually ran away from her parents at the ripe old age of 20 or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And, and was, <laughs> yeah, there's actually a, a bit more to that flashback that ended up in the cutting room floor, but we'll get into that a little bit later. I'll, I'll, okay. I'll say okay. that tidbit if you don't know it. <laughs> oh yeah, I do not. So I always love those little gems of that you drop on us here at the end of these. So I try, uh, <laughs> it, it doesn't explain how she escapes. She kind of passes out and then she just wakes up in her bed. Right. Uh, the main thing she remembers is is Jason's horrific face. Yeah, which, uh, so, as something else that's going to be tradition throughout the franchise, looks different than it did at the end of part two. <laughs> of course. Uh, we'll get into now, that also. <laughs> well, so, yeah, actually, let's talk about that for just sure, a second, sure. since you brought it up. We actually find out that the ending scene to part two is kind of a typical them having a nightmare type thing. Right. Because uh, we find out that Jenny survived, right? Yeah. So she wasn't actually pulled out through the window by that other Jason. Right. So, you know, we could write that off as, uh, you know, that she remembered him a little bit differently in her nightmare than what he looked like. Yeah, because I think they were originally going to kind of like, kind of like with with part two where they brought back, um, I'm going blank on it, Alice. Yeah, uh, they were gonna do that with Jenny, but the actress uh, had other roles she she was doing, so they just couldn't. So they just kind of I gotcha showed everything but that one part and kind of writing off. Uh, it's changing the it's ending. kind of unfortunate because I think that Jenny in this movie would have helped a bit, but I think so too. Uh, but little note yeah. though, uh, when you we see we do see Jason briefly uh, without any kind of head cover at the gas station. And yes. That's actually still the Stan Winston mold from part two. Oh, okay. They're using there. Okay. But by the time that we get to the reveal, that flashback and the reveal at the end of this movie, it's a completely different mask. They only like, I don't know. 
I didn't really find any information about why they changed it, but they changed it. <laughs> because movies and, because, and effects yeah. and cost, probably. <laughs> maybe maybe it was falling apart by that point. <laughs> yeah, you know. And, and different, I don't know, is it a different makeup artist? Yeah, yeah. Stan Winston like uh, didn't, didn't work on this one. And uh, neither, of course, Tom Savini, although they give him a shout out in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, oh. it's, a, it's a new makeup team. And I guess they just kind of want to do their own thing. Yeah, I mean, it's going to happen from time to time. I mean, Star Wars, uh, they changed the scar on uh, Kylo Ren's face from where he actually took the lightsaber damage. So, Did they? You know, it ha- it happens. I yeah. didn't even notice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, Chris tells him the story, tells Rick the story, and then as they're sitting there talking, for some reason they thought that just leaving the headlights on his car wouldn't be a big deal. And the battery dies. Yeah. And apparently he knew he had a battery problem but decided to do that anyways. So, <laughs> Like intelligence you know, isn't a key factor in being in a horror movie. <laughs> I was going to say, if, if these people were smart, they wouldn't be in these positions most of the time anyways. So, you know, it just kind of, you know, cements that uh, stereotype in for horror movies a little bit. Oh, yeah. So they decided to walk back to the cabin. In the meantime, Jason has gone on to kill Joni and Chachi. (laughs) (laughs) And while he's doing that, Shelly is telling Vera how he feels about her, and she shuts him down cold. Uh, Shelly calls her a bitch under his breath and decides to play a prank on her to teach her a lesson. Yeah, because how dare she? (laughs) Yeah, how dare a woman not be in love with him? And... (laughs) (laughs) so his prank is that he's going to swim under the water and grab her leg which you know we don't really quite understand how he does that but again plot device and it's all good he scares her he gets out of the water and wanders off carrying a hockey mask and a spear gun he absolutely is that hockey mask of course we all know what happens to that it becomes part of the friday the 13th lexicon and probably one of the best known masks in all of uh, horror movies uh, absolutely um shortly thereafter jason appears to vera in his in his brand new hockey mask with the spear <laughs> gun vera first thinks it's shelly until she takes a spear to her eyeball <laughs> yes. um, that yeah. pretty much wakes it up to her that that was not shelly that shot her yeah, the realization was the last thing she thought. Before she <laughs> uh, soon after that, Cheech and Chong pay the price for their bad life choices. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> about that time, Rick and Chris return to the cabin to find things a bit out of whack. And as they start to try and figure out what is going on, Rick decides to split the party. And as we all know, <laughs> that's never a good idea. That's amateur <laughs> hour right there. Amateur hour. <laughs> yep. So Chris fights off Jason. Uh, eventually, uh, she gets into the van, r- takes off. Well, we remember what happened to the van earlier, <laughs> and uh, she runs out of gas. She ends up in the barn. Jason locks himself in the barn with her, where he starts to dis- just destroy the barn looking for her. In some weird plan, she decides to jump from the top rafter down onto his neck. Um, I mean, it kind of worked. (laughs) (laughs) It did knock him to the ground for a second. Um, 
this is where we kind of first start to get, or at least in my opinion, start to get that supernatural vibe for Jason. Um, we see his super strength a little bit in these yeah. scenes. Um, she knocks him out with a shovel and uh, throws him over the edge of the barn, hanging him on a rope. The yeah. snap of the rope, in my opinion, would kill most people, breaking their necks. I've got a theory um, on it, but we'll get into it. There a yeah, bit. as well as the actual hanging. Yeah. Um, by the time she gets downstairs uh, to try and get past him, he awakens, uh, unhangs himself, and comes after her again. Just as we think she is about to be killed, one of the bikers who we assumed was dead burst out of a room. I guess he's just been hiding there for the last four hours <laughs> and attacks Jason. Uh, Jason makes pretty good quick work out of him, but while he finds an axe and she hits Jason and Jason goes down, <laughs> then we get a lovely homage to the end of the first movie where Chris goes out on a canoe out onto the lake. She awakens the next morning. She imagines she, she, she sees Jason and that he's coming after her. And about the time she realizes that she's imagining that, Mrs. Voorhees jumps from the lake, <laughs> taking her under. Yes, she so, does. Yeah, so lay some knowledge on us, Sean. Okay. Well, first thing, since I'll go ahead and address the thing we just discussed. Uh, Jason in this one, like, as far, and don't get it wrong, I'm, I'm, this is clearly making up shit as a fan. <laughs> you know, <I> <laughs> uh, as far as, like, the hanging, if you look yeah. at a, uh, really it's the bodysuit they put the actor in who's playing Jason because he was on, apparently kind of a skinnier guy. Being a trapeze artist, he's yeah. got to be really buff, I guess. Uh, his neck and his traps are fucking huge. They are. And while are. granted, yes, taking a fall from the top of a barn, I don't care how, how thick your neck is, it's not going to stop you your neck from breaking. But that's kind of what I attributed to it. <laughs> because Well, and also the fact that it wasn't a traditional hangman's noose. Right. It was just a knot. So yeah, Because technically, by by the the story of this whole franchise, he's not supernatural yet. He's just a tough psychopath who has some physical deformities, which may or may not be aiding him in these, or just, as you say, like kind of like too crazy to die kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, certainly he... Uh... You know, he gets stabbed in the hand and in the leg yeah. in this movie, and he keeps coming. Um, you know, at first, it, it's obvious that it hurts him. Right. Oh, yeah. And, and actually stops out. him for a minute. Yeah. yeah. But then, you know, once he gets going again, it's not really affecting him much. But no. I, I think it's maybe more of a foreshadowing, I would say, of what's to come. Right. Even if it's unintentional. Yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe. Maybe that was kind of like, you know, and again, I mean, he literally at one point takes an axe into his head and still does the famous reach out, you know, <laughs> into this. So, which, you know, for yeah, me, I mean, continuity-wise, they kept that, that mask, uh, the chunk where the axe went through the part of the mask had stayed in the majority of the Friday the 13th films. So, it, it did. It absolutely I, did. So you have to give him credit for that, considering they changed his look quite a bit throughout time. Right. But, so um, that, the, with the mask being put into this film, obviously it makes it super important. Uh, for me, this is one of the weaker entries. And I think it's because of the 3D really being the gimmick of why they did it. 
they they said they really went into it because a actually I think they even mentioned that same Italian film you had talked about, uh, being the big influence for it, and they said people were already kind of figuring out their formula, so they wanted to mix it up, and you know nothing wrong with that. Gotcha. But and sadly, and don't get it wrong, there's still plenty of good in this film too. I just as far as like if you wanted to rank the entire franchise, for me it's a little lower in it but yes. it's still really good but what it does have above all the rest is after we get the uh, the slaughter at the um, or we get the flashback which ends on the, the still shot of the head of uh, Mrs. Voorhees we have the greatest Friday the 13th opening music you'll ever hear in your life <laughs> yeah we do because <laughs> for some reason they decided that this movie really needed kind of a 70s funk with a little 80s like new way I don't know you're all going to find out because I have a special treat for you. <laughs> I'm going to play oh, a little bit of this opening just so y'all can, if, for those who haven't watched or maybe just don't remember, you have to appreciate this. I'm going to play it here for a few seconds. Y'all enjoy this one. How amazing is that? <laughs> like, like, it's just, it's funky, got the little weird woo, woo, through it. And that's just, I don't know, that, that tickled the shit out of me when I watched it again for the first time in a long time, honestly, since I watched this one. But, uh, yeah, this one, um, like I said, <laughs> the, the lack of 3D, I think, does hurt it. Because... Yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I was just going to uh, talk about it's not so much that they take the 3D out because you can tell when that happens. You can tell when that happens in any 3D movie from yeah, the 80s. Absolutely. The, the problem is, is the way this was filmed was in that 3D technology at the time. All of the backgrounds look super grainy right. through this entire movie. It really, really could use a remastering and it would help this movie a whole lot. Oh, I agree. Because it, it's it's absolutely distracting to the eye to the eye when you're watching it. Yeah, and um, I think that might also be a factor in there. And just you like, know, uh, I mean, I get like the gimmick. that was probably oh. my biggest complaint on the movie. Uh, a lot of the things uh, it stepped up the gore quite a bit in this movie, more so than the other two. Oh yeah. Uh, it uh, the suspense was a little lacking on it, but this one was more of just it, it. It's weird because it has really good tension and suspense at the beginning of the movie, and then at the end when he's hunting down our our lovable losers, <laughs> um, there there's really no tension there. No, uh, yeah, because <laughs> like when he's kind of going after them, yeah, I kind of agree with that because it is kind of just like one after the other. It's kind of cool. Yeah. I do. I did. I, I will say, though, as far as like, because, you know, we, once you get down to who's going to inevitably be like the lone survivor, there's always kind of that chase. And I thought this was honestly one of the better ones when he's like really just trying to track down Chris. I, I will say that, yeah, the chase scene in this is really, uh, as you say, one of the better ones. I really did enjoy it. Right. Uh, it was, it was kind of the. It was just kind of okay. Got this one. On to the next one. On to yeah, the next yeah. one. On to the and there wasn't really any build up no. between the. Um, maybe for Cheech and Chong, there was a little bit of build up. 
but the rest of them, not so much. Yeah, well, Cheech and Chong literally only got a little bit of uh, tension and build up so they could show popcorn flying at the screen for a few seconds. Uh, so, yeah, you had to have them kind of be chilling out there. Well, there, for a there is that. <laughs> and that's kind of also like, yeah. again, it, it's... I know it was the gimmick of the time, and I shouldn't hold hold it as harshly. There's just some, and some of the 3D doesn't bother me at all. Again, Jason reaching out after he gets the axe to the forehead is iconic in the franchise. Yeah. You know, that's a great one. And even simple ones like the pole in the beginning of the movie. But like the, then you get certain, like the juggling one, I thought was, that was, I, I would love to actually see that in 3D with a, where, where uh, Shelly and uh, Chachi are doing like a juggling contest. <laughs> And like, yes, apples are flying. Yes. And like, that'd be kind of cool. I get that. But then you get scenes like said, the popcorn kind of going. At least it wasn't too long. But then the yo-yo scene still pisses me off every fucking oh, time. Oh, the yo-yo scene. Because yeah. it sits there for a good two minutes of a yo-yo coming yeah. at you. <laughs> and again, I get it. But it just, it does detract when it's not in 3D. Which, you know, I, now, again, I wish there was some way. I hope there's some way with modern technology that maybe they would build a release a version in 3D again. It would be great if they kind of remastered this, re-released it in 3D with the actual effects. and um, Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, because uh, there's some iconic things that happen in 3D in this. The old man holding the eyeball towards the camera. <laughs> right, the, the, new, the, uh, uh, the new crazy the, man. The, <laughs> yeah, the spear uh, gun shot. Right. Those were talked about by everyone at school and anybody that had any passing reference to these movies, they talked about these 3d effects. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, it, it was a big deal back then, Oh, but for sure. looking back on it, you know, almost 30 years later, right. It really needs a cleanup job. Oh no. For uh, sure. The other thing that kind of got to me on this. And when I, I touched on it earlier was Jenny. Uh, being right. in this movie. And it's not so much that I necessarily wanted Jenny, but the first two movies, in my opinion, had fairly solid acting. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm not trying to knock these actors, but uh, it, it's certainly a step backwards in this movie when it comes to the acting in it. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can tell the, the 3d gimmick was the central focus for this film. They weren't. It, it really was. Yeah. They spent their budget on the 3D and kind of, which uh, like legitimately they did because 3D was so rare back then. They actually yeah. ha- had to spend money to send the 3D equipment to every theater that was going to show it, get trained and really? have a like 24/7 hotline in case there was issues because 3D was still so new when this one when this came out. So they actually spent okay. like thousands of dollars to each movie theater showing it. And I'm pretty sure it made its money back because again, a new Friday the 13th one in 3d, which was a very new concept when this was coming out. So it worked out for them, but it just, yeah, you could just tell that was like their central focus for, you know, like they weren't so much worried about cats, uh, the casting great actors, just good actors. I, I think Chris did well. Shelley was written annoying, but I think he actually acted the part. Well, yeah, I think, I think that, you touched on the two that I would give credit to. Yeah. Um, Chris certainly can carry the movie, um, especially a, a slasher flick. Right. Um, A lot of the other, I mean, the Cheech and Chong characters. (laughs) Yeah, they were, um, they just sat on the couch stone most of the time. (laughs) And (laughs) I mean, which in fairness was the part they were playing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, uh, 
Joni and Chachi were pretty much like, I can do a handstand and I'm going to show my boobs. <laughs> was pretty much their whole gimmick for that movie. That that was their gimmick for the show. And hey, I look a little bit like Scott Bayo. So, <laughs> but those did um, they did uh, their death though was also a nice. Uh, don't know if you picked up on it, but you know it was a complete nod to the Kevin Bacon death in part one. Was so, it? So after, uh, if you know, if you remember, like kind of sequence specifically when she died, because uh, he had already killed Chachi, <laughs> uh, and uh, which we'll get to that in a second because that's my. Uh, yeah, that's my pick of the of the movie. Um, well, we did it again. Buddy. Again, I mean, you can't, okay, we'll go ahead and say it. Then. After they they're done yeah. doing the deed, and he's showing off his his hand walking skills to go get them some beers, uh, he's just walking down uh, the hallway, and there's Jason looking down at him like, oh, that's impressive, and then cuts him from groin to chest. <laughs> In yeah, that beautiful. Like it, it, that it is, was the kill of the week. That's definitely the kill of the week. Uh, and there's, again, this movie did suffer from as gory as it was, because it actually was, but it was the after effect shots, really, more so, because they had to cut down the actual, like, him slicing him down. A lot of the kills were cutaways, yeah. but you saw the aftermath, and that's how they got their R rating instead of an X rating for this film. Again, oh, the censors gotcha. hate this franchise. <laughs> you know, they constantly had to, you know, we're, we're chopping things up. But it's not only, but then, okay, but so he, he cut him up. And I guess while she was getting dressed, uh, stuck him up in the rafters above their hammock. <laughs> because and then yeah. we go into the Kevin Bacon part where she's looking at a uh, Fangoria magazine in the hammock waiting for him to come back. and Which yeah. is a quick shot of Tom Savini is in that magazine. So that's a nice little like gotcha. you know, acknowledgement. And then blood drips down from him, which she finds out is her boyfriend. Exactly how Kevin Bacon had blood drip down before the arrow came through his chest. But, gotcha, she, but gotcha. she got the machete through it, but the same kind of setup. Gotcha. So it's kind of a cool nod. Yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, we do get Jason in his mask. We get more of the machete, even though he uses. Jason's really good about using whatever tool is available to him to kill. Yeah. The machete people. became like his iconic weapon, but yeah, he's, he's, he's a master of many weapons. <laughs> Sharp, blunt, doesn't matter. He'll, he'll, he'll put you down. But uh, one thing I was going to also mention... He uses a blunt object? I believe so, because, uh, you know, that one biker came back, and all he had was kind of a head wound. I didn't really catch what he was beating him with. Skills skills a little bit. That's pretty good. Was that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think it was a uh, giant, like, tractor wrench or something that he beat him with. Yeah, because, like... You know, he like you saw him beating him in the head off, and I thought I assumed like everyone it was a sharp object, but uh, maybe uh, yeah. So apparently maybe it was a wrench because he he came back for a second, you know, uh, a little <laughs> last minute save, then he got put down. Yep. But uh, uh, good times, I, yeah, man. I did want to mention though, uh, as I mentioned the uh, there was a there was a big change to Chris's flashback with Jason Voorhees. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about that a little bit. I'm sorry, I forgot about that. Uh, no worries. I, I was, it was on my notes that we were we were gonna discuss it. <laughs> but originally, the <laughs> studio wanted this to be the end. This was gonna be the final Jason, and they didn't want the fans to want him back. So in her flashback, which they kept a lot of it in, but they ended up changing one major aspect. It was gonna be implied that Jason actually raped her. 
And, oh, okay. And if you have, you know, we can all cheer for our serial killers for some reason, murdering teens, <laughs> and want them back for many sequels. <laughs> but, but rightfully so, if they actually show that they're a rapist, you're not going to want to see him again. And that was going to be the original yeah, idea. Okay. It was the original intention. They didn't drop it because they knew they wanted to make more sequels. They just felt like, okay, that's going to maybe a little far. We're already giving a gore fest. That's not going to make a pass of censors. Right? That's the line they stop at. That's I, it. Now we know where the line is. Jason cannot be a rapist. He will not be a rapist. That and like so they, he, there's never been any implication of him ever doing that with any other girls. They said it didn't really fit. The, yeah. But that was originally their idea. It, like, well, this will guarantee no one will be clamoring for a new Jason movie if he's a rapist. And I honestly, that would have been effective, I think. <laughs> Well, I'll be quite honest. It makes some other scenes in the movie make more sense. I think that was a bad cut or they should have changed some things up. Right. Because uh, it makes her PTSD a little bit more real. Right. And when he lifts his mask to show her that it is actually him, you know, she freaks out. She's already been being chased by the guy. She knows he's going to kill her if he catches her. You know, so this additional freak out in seeing his face makes more sense if you put to it that it was actually a rape survivor type thing. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. And again, it may have been like, I'm not sure when they cut it in production. It may have been a last minute change, which this movie, from what I understood, had a lot of kind of rewrites in the middle of production. So as as can happen in a movie. Well, they're putting these movies out so quick, right? One right after another back then. Absolutely. Uh, the first three, anyways. I'm not sure how quick it was for the fourth movie yet, yeah, but we'll find out. Um, <laughs> we will find out next week. Uh, yeah. So, you know, it, it it's a solid entry in the series. It, you put it as one of your weaker ones. For me, not so much. It's not one of the weaker ones, but it certainly is not as strong as the first two. Right. Um. The kill count, he certainly jumped up how many people he killed in this one. Right, right. There were uh, 13, if I counted right, because I'm counting the pregnant gal. Chachi, or Joni was pregnant. Yeah, she was. So I'm counting that as two kills. Um, So that's 13 humans and two rabbits that he killed. (laughs) (laughs) Those poor bunnies. Those Uh, poor bunnies. uh, One of them was in the cage, and then they found one... uh, on the road, I guess. Right. So, and while uh, it's not my kill of the uh, of the movie because you just can't beat the handstand slaughter. Yeah. The uh, a special shout out does go to just the scene of Rick who just wants to be the hero. <laughs> yeah. Where like uh, Chris is kind of looking out, ask, like trying to see where he went, and it's just literally around the corner. He's just being held <laughs> by Jason until she goes yeah. back in. Then he crushes his skull where we get the awesome eyeball shooting towards the screen. Yep. <laughs> and then, I mean, I'll be honest. Yeah. There's three kills in this one that are had a tra- chance to make kill of the week. Oh, but for go sure. ahead. I didn't uh, mean to catch you off. No worries. Yeah. The and then the, the finale of him. They chucked the shit out of that stuntman through the window. That was supposed to be Chris. <laughs> oh, not Chris. Uh, Rick. He flew through that. Like, Jason threw the shit out of him through that window back into the house to fuck with Chris. Like, it was like, I don't know. That, that just, that had, I enjoyed that way more than I probably should have. Uh, like I said, well, and oh. do we want to talk about Rick's uh, sweater? 
Oh, right. That, uh, it is almost identical to Mrs. Voorhees' sweater. That, they shop at the same JCPenney's. Uh, yes, they sweaters. do. Yeah, he's, uh, <laughs> which is funny because, like, when you first see him, he's, you know, he's kind of wearing the flannel and the denim, which is very much Jason, but he has that sweater draped around him, like, kind of like a preppy guy from the, that era. And, yeah, it is that light blue, yeah, heavy sweater. That uh, very much is that, which, you know, you kind of, like, wondered if that was another nod or, like, maybe at one point that was going to play into it, kind of like what they did uh, with uh, Jenny last movie, but maybe it never surfaced. I don't know. So, so my thoughts on this, and I touched on it a little bit earlier with the kind of Jason slowly becoming supernatural. Yeah. And maybe I'm giving this franchise way too much credit, <laughs> but um, also maybe a little bit of the loss of Jason's humanity. Yeah. In this. Um, even if he's not becoming immortal and not getting his super strength and all of those things yet, maybe that was me reading too much into it. But I would definitely say that Jason is not as human in this. The, the humanity he had uh, is gone by this movie. No, absolutely. And that's be- and again, because... Uh, and, and I'm judged after watching the first two again, which are definitely better films, in my opinion. Uh, than this one and like you said in part in our review of part two that how that actor really brought some humanity to jason and while he showed some human emotions reacting you know winston and you know crying out in pain he was pretty much just that killer tank and just going through everything so yeah the that i think kind of affected the way uh you know the movie because it is he is just kind of uh you know robotic which makes more sense in the later films when he is undead. So like, you know, the, yeah, it's, it's a lot better when they're in these early ones. Well, which we only have, uh, yeah. One more, <laughs> one more. That, yeah. yeah. But, um, so yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And it's not necessarily like just that portrayal or like the 3d gimmick ruined it for me. It did affect, it, it's always affected my, my liking of this film, but outside of like Chris, and again, like like you had said, if they had gotten, if they kept her original reasoning for having the PTSD, would have even been more yeah. effective. She, it's like it's literally the only character we cared about. Because uh, like, absolutely is the only character I cared about in this entire. Yeah. So like, and don't get it wrong, it, it makes the kills enjoyable when when they're annoying or you just don't give a shit. You can just kind of enjoy the slaughter <laughs> for the aspect yeah. of these horror movies. I know I do, just being real. But, you know, yeah, it's it's important, though, to have some sense of caring or liking them and enjoying them in some way, shape, or form. So there's at least a little feel. either Even if it's annoying, like Shelly's, Shelly's kill was, out of the others, definitely a bit more, you know, you, like you said, you cheered because he was at least annoying. You know, right. uh, Chachi's death was fun just because that was a creative kill. <laughs> you know, so that's right. our kill of the week. But everyone else, other than being kind of iconic ways of killing them, it wasn't enhanced at all because we actually cared, either cared or hated. You know, usually it's one or the other in a horror film for the victim. So I think that's yeah, kind, of, uh, kind of a weaker point with this movie. I think that's one of the reasons the tension just isn't there in this movie. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, is you just don't care. You, you know, when you're pulling for the killer. Right. <laughs> 
you know, now granted again, when it's just him and Chris, you're actually, I'm pulling for Chris in that moment. Yeah, because that, and that chase was effective. That chase was tense, <laughs> like going from the van to the car, through the barn. Like, you know, that was a good chase because we actually, A, because it was well shot and well acted, but like also we cared about Chris. So I think that that's a, a big key in a horror movie. Well, and they, they gave her just that amount of time of telling her backstory right. that made you care about her. That's all it took. Yeah. Personally, I thought Rick was kind of a, a douchebag. Um, <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> um, Shelly, you know, I would call him an incel by today's standards. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, how dare she not love <laughs> me in my wacky ways? <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, there was nothing wrong with Cheech and Chong. They were just, uh, they don't seem like they would have been these people's friends. No, they they did not fit at all. Yeah. It was yeah, Lily they don't there. Fit. Yeah, because the kids like the marijuana, and we had a, we had the three D shot of passing the joint, which I'm sure the audience loved, you know, <laughs> in, in, in the three D. And it, they were there literally because someone liked Cheech and Chong movies, and they padded out the body count. Which again, there's there's usually that, but yeah. usually it falls more into the tropes of the jock, the asshole, the slut, the you know the the outsider, the outcast, you know, just right. random stoners. That's all they were. Right. You know what I mean? So, yeah, they, they just didn't fit. So we've talked a little bit about where the movie kind of fails a little bit, but I do think uh, I want to reiterate some of the things it did really well. Sure, sure. Um, you know, the kills were definitely a step up from the first two movies. Yeah. Um, not that there aren't great kills in the first two movies, because there are. Oh, absolutely. But, but in this one, I mean... Like I said, there were three that I had written down <laughs> to be my kill of the week as I was watching the movie. Right. Um, the the spear gun through the eye, uh, that is a, kind of an iconic kill that people remember from this movie. Oh, yeah. Of, of course, uh, I can't even remember the guy's name really in the movie, what his character's name oh, was, but uh, Chachi's, right. Chachi's kill that we talked about. I mean, the fact that Jason squeezed that dude's head so hard that his eyeball popped out. Yeah, Rick's, Rick's uh, kill for the eyeball was definitely a good one. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, to me, you know, it did that really well. Again, opening with immediate tension to the movie and not, I mean, I didn't have to have a lot of backstory for those two, but they interacted together, and I'm talking about the couple at the beginning at the, right, the right. convenience store gas station. I didn't have enough backstory to really care about them, but it was an immediate, Hey, Jason's still here and he's still doing bad things. And it's only the next day. Right. Because they're not set up as I think a character you're, you should care about the, you know, right. the, we got the nagging wife and we got the guy who's just sneaking his donuts and loves his rabbit. And that's really all, <laughs> <laughs> that's really all, it, all that we get from him. And that's all maybe we it's because he was relatable. Yeah. Because we all want to eat donuts and hold rabbits. I mean, he's living his best That's fucking right. life. <laughs> yeah. That's right. He's just trying to get, you know, sneak past some food past his wife and <laughs> minding his own business. And Jason, you know, decided he had other plans for him. Yeah, which, again, kind of showed, like, kind of taking away that he's only slaughtering people who come around Crystal Lake. Although maybe the gas station is nearby, but, you know, it just felt like, you know. Let's just kill some motherfuckers in the opening, which, you know, is fine in a horror movie because that's kind of what you want. 
So, it, but it also kind of changed the whole thing to where he's haunting, in a sense, the the, the camp only. But it does show. Well, which, well, I mean, I think that you know they address something in the in the news footage in this one as well, and that was that the the last camp was a four mile square foot. I mean, four mile area right. that he killed them in. Um, four square miles, I guess, is what I was looking for. Right, right. That he hunted them down and killed them in. That's a big chunk of land. That's true. That's true. Uh, and maybe he just, you know, wanted to go pet a rabbit. I don't know. <laughs> but, like, just, you know, it, it, I'm not complaining. Like, it's, it's not a negative to it. No, like, no, no, it no, great no, 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 no. But, yeah. Just, I guess my point was is that four miles is a big area for him. You know, he right. could have just been over in that area anyways. Oh, that's that's fair. <laughs> and he just, you know, he saw them hanging out. Maybe he needed some food. <laughs> oh, true. He's he's still a man. He's still a, a man at this point. So yeah. No, well, and yeah. and we have to assume that they found his cabin, right? Because they, you know, they found the bodies presumably. Uh, you know, so maybe they found his cabin. He didn't have a safe place to go, and he needed some food. All right. Well, there you go. Fully so explained by the fans. <laughs> there you go. Right because it was not explained in the movie and never will be explained in the movie. <laughs> exactly. And that's again, that's what uh you know, fans of this franch this franchise, I'm sure the others too, which we'll get into as we oh. start going into others. Oh yeah, wait oh. wait till you the <laughs> the mental gymnastics you have to do to get through the middle of the Halloween movies. Which is what I can't wait for because that's your franchise that you're definitely a bit you're deeper than <laughs> me. So our roles are gonna reverse as far as who's got the knowledge bombs. <laughs> dropping in uh, but like overall well, i think yeah. yeah yeah i was gonna say overall it's still friday the 13th it's still a there's some creative kills even if the story and the characters are a little weak it still delivers like i said uh on the blood the gore and you know again blood guts tits and ass you get you get everything in here as well as jason's iconic mass that's gonna be prevalent for the rest of the franchise and really in horror history uh, as you said earlier that mask is one of, if not the most iconic mask in entire horror cinema. I would, I would have to, yeah. I mean, I said it, so I guess I have to agree with it. But yeah, <laughs> it, it definitely is. It and the Michael Myers mask, right, are probably the two most iconic. Oh, for sure. Uh, as far as masks go, right, right. So, uh, having said all of that, how many screens would you give this one, Sean? This one, uh, again, uh, which is what I love about our discussional videos that we're doing here, because I watched it, and like, say, by the time I, I finished it this morning, you know, I might have been sitting at a two stars or something, for example. But like, right. And I don't know, I, didn't, I hadn't decided yet on a grade at that point anyway. It, was, it always comes after we talk, because you get the different views and the different, you know, working things out. So different I'm, insight, yeah. yeah I'm going to give it a three stars. Okay, so I had it when I was watching it at a three star. Oh, okay. But then I went ahead and bumped it to a three and a half. Oh. Only because of the iconic moments in it. Right. Um, I mean, it, it's a solid three, but because of the, him getting the mask and the machete kills and things like that, you're starting to see what Jason is going to become. Right. And in the loss of his humanity, those things uh, bumped it to a three and a half for me. Right. Yep. And so, for me, if it wasn't the, it was the iconic moments that got it from a two to a three for me. <laughs> personally. Well, there you go. Yeah. We have our reasons. Yep, absolutely. So I will, I will record that grade so that we can 
rate them in order at the end based off of our grades. Oh, for sure. But again, as much as I have complaints about it, it's it's not it is an important chapter in the Jason Voorhees mythos. So I would still say go check it out. You know, again. Oh I, yeah, for sure. I this is one. Yeah, because for me, like usually if we weren't doing this week to week, if I feel like I'm just in the mood for Friday the 13th, I rarely just grab a random movie. It's a marathon because to me, it's a it's a not necessarily connected, but it's a saga. So I always watch this when I watch the others. So it all still flows together to me in my own fan head canon. (laughs) Well, I mean, so the first three for sure do. Um you know, and I'm only saying that because it's been so long since I watched the others. I'll right. probably say that they all do as they go, um, much like you believe. Yeah. It's just, uh, you know, this one takes place immediately following the second one. It kind of, uh, you know, I don't know how you could, anyone could consider not watching it if you're right. going to watch the saga. No, because it, it's it, it's literally the next freaking day. <laughs> in yeah. two days this guy has killed what 22 people and uh three or four animals dude that's that, that's an honest day's work man and uh... that that <laughs> is an honest day's work in a 48 hour period right. jason so. is a working man and but uh yes one last thing i was gonna note on just for like looking forward to these future videos like one through three definitely feel connected and it's what i literally just realized in a sense, uh, four, five, and six are directly related as well. So it's almost kind of like you get your own little. Because I'm, I don't Trilogies. remember. Yeah, I don't remember exactly how far between three and four. We'll find out next week. But like, yeah. top of my head, yeah, you get these little mini trilogies that are a little more interconnected, and there's definitely some separation later on. But yeah, it's it's a cool thing. So uh, look forward to the next trilogy. <laughs> that will be. Yeah, cool. there you go. I I do have a recommendation for people to watch. Yes, yes. Um, this is a uh, uh, more of a thriller than a horror movie, a okay. psychological thriller. Yeah, right. but it's definitely one people should watch, and it's Hard Candy. Oh, with uh, the now Elliot Page and Patrick Wilson. I have, have you not seen this seen one, that. Sean? I have not actually. That's one I okay, always so... forget to go see. Yeah, Elliot Page plays a 14-year-old girl who uh, suspects uh, Patrick Wilson's character uh, to be using his photography business to lure young girls in to molest them. And, uh, yeah, it's got an interesting twist in it and uh, just a good thriller-type movie. I've always heard good things, but it's just one of those I just hadn't got around to watching yet. I'll have to definitely try to find that one. Yeah, it's it's well worth your time. So awesome. Uh, yeah. So uh, that's right. all I've got. You got anything else, buddy? Uh no. I think that's gonna do it. So as always, if you enjoyed this show, please like, comment, subscribe. Let us know what you think about this movie. Let you, let us know what you think about Jason Voorhees in general down in the comments. And always share what share the videos. Let people know what we're doing. That there's uh, a fun horror podcast year round. We're not just exclusively doing this October because we're literally not doing it in October. <laughs> so, <laughs> but that's gonna do it for today. We appreciate all y'all for listening, and we will catch y'all later. <laughs>